Welcome to the Generations Church Podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We hope this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Amen. If you got your Bibles this morning, uh, turn uh, to the um, turn to the book of Matthew, chapter sixteen. I'm going to be there in just a moment. When you came in this morning, you should have received a, a missions prayer guide. I'm going to ask you to get get that get one of those. It lists all of our missionaries, different ways that we can pray for them. So uh, we're going to be using that throughout uh, throughout our month. Also, we've got a brand new map out in the foyer. If you saw that, we're just kind of give you an idea of the mission's footprint of uh, Generations Church. So uh, Matthew chapter 16 and verse 13, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, Still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. So what about you, he asked. Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. This was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I want to just stop there. So Jesus is, is headed to Caesarea Philippi. He leaves the Sea of Galilee and begins to walk 25 miles to, uh, to this destination. And it's an elevation of about 1,300 feet. So it is a substantive walk to the Caesarea Philippi from, uh, from the Sea of Galilee. He does one thing, he makes, you know, one, one thing here in Caesarea Philippi that we'll talk about, and then he leaves and goes like 50 miles south to Jerusalem. So there's one thing, one statement of significance that he makes, or a, a statement that he wants us to understand in this particular city. So once everybody arrives at Caesarea Philippi, Jesus asks the question, you know, who do men say that I am? He asked everyone, just collectively, to the disciples. And, and they just kind of give a, a general answer. Uh, some say you're John the Baptist. They're all answering. Some say you're Elijah, which there's always this kind of fascinating connection between John the Baptist and Elijah. Some say, Jesus, you're the prophet Jeremiah, the weeping prophet. Or others just say, you're a prophet, you're just a prophet of God. I mean, they gave some uh, really high answers about what people were saying about Jesus. Uh, But then they ask, you know, but then they ask, but who do men say that I am? Who do you say? What are they saying about me? And Peter is the one that answers. He asks everybody again, but it's Peter that says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God, okay? 
Because all those other things, John the Baptist and Elijah and Jeremiah and even to be considered a prophet, man, those are highly esteemed answers. But I want to tell you something that falls just a little bit short about the mission of Jesus on this earth. Hebrews says collectively that he is greater than all of the angels that would be Michael and Gabriel. Hebrews says he's greater than all the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Moses. Hebrews says he's greater than all of the priests, Aaron and Samuel. Hebrews says he is greater than all of the prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Elijah. And Hebrews ends with this, Jesus the yesterday, today, and forever. And what that means in that context is all throughout all of the great people that lived in the Old Testament, there was one greater than all of them, and that was the Messiah, and his name is Jesus. Peter, Peter, I mean, he hit the key word there. He's the Messiah, He's the son of the living God. He says to them, you are the one that the prophets have spoken about. You are the one and only that can bring salvation, hope, and light to the world. And Jesus responds, Peter, you did not come to that conclusion by the intellectual pursuits of man, but that was revealed to you by the Holy Spirit. Now, I told you there was a significance to him traveling to Caesarea Philippi. And there's a couple of things I want you to know about this particular place. Caesarea Philippi was known uh, for two things. One, it was known as the gates, the gates of hell. It was, a, it was a region that was given over to pagan temples and various deities and they had these openings in the caves that they considered to be gateways or openings from the abyss into the world. So they called it the gates of hell. And, and you saw these different caves there. Also in Caesarea Philippi, this was the place that the Greeks worshipped the god Pan. P-A-N. Pan. Pan was a... Uh, out of Greek mythology, he was a half man, half goat that played a flute. Look, I don't come up with that. I just do the research. The flute doesn't look intimidating. I think we got a picture, an image up there of, uh, of Pan. And uh, so, like, so he, he, the, the, he, they came to worship him at this particular place and, and, Pan was known for eroticism and fertility and reproduction. He was also known for angry fits of rage. And people were fearful of, uh, of pan. And we have a word called panic that, that is rooted out of, of, of the fearful response of, of the god Pan. Also in that particular area the tribe of Dan had had settled there and they erected a, a pagan temple in the that's called Tel Dan and, and a pagan temple where they dedicated and they did uh, worship a, a golden calf so this whole area is bad 
This whole area is, is given over to idol worship and evil. One of the, the worst places in, of all of Israel, Jesus takes his disciples there because there's a statement of significance that he wants to make. He's leading up with, who do men say that I am? Who do you say that I am? But here's the thesis moment. Here's the moment of clarity, uh, what he wants to say to us. And when Peter answers, Peter said, he says, I tell you, Peter, that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Jesus visiting and making this statement in Caesarea Philippi would be the equivalent to you and I maybe going to the worst part of New York City, the most dangerous part of New York City and speaking, speaking something like this. So to build his church, to build his church, there's some necessary components and one of them one of them is like Jesus' role is indispensable to building his church. Jesus' personal love and sacrifice to build his church is essential. He uses, he uses a possessive term. I'm going to build my church. I'm the owner and the founder. And very early through Jesus' ministry, he began to lay out the blueprint of what building his church would look like. He goes to Nazareth one Sabbath, and he visits the local synagogue in Nazareth. And they ask him, hey, would you have anything to say? That'd be a dangerous thing. That'd be a dangerous thing. He pulls out the scroll of Isaiah and Jesus begins to read. Here is the blueprint that he's laying out very early in his ministry of what building his church would be like. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the captives and the recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And when he finished reading that, he rolled up the scrolls and he sat down and people were, you know, they were watching him. What is he saying here and he says today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing he quotes he requotes a, a, a prophecy <clears throat> excuse me from Isaiah about the soon coming Messiah then he sits down and he says I am the fulfillment of this particular passage building his church let me just tell you is is dependent upon the sacrifice the death and the resurrection of Jesus he said about himself that the, he is the cornerstone or the excuse me the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone of the building of his church now I want to remind you something when we talk about him building his church He's not building a museum to himself. He is building a church for you and I. Hey, I just want to remind you this morning that this house 
is a house of salvation first and foremost. It is a house of mercy. It is a house of grace. It is a house of hope. It is a house of restoration this morning. It is a house of miracles. It is a house of healing. It is a house of deliverance. It's a house for changed hearts and changed lives. It's not a museum. There's a practical part of him building his church. And I want you to know as well, when he builds his church, I mean, he's looking long term on this. It's a progressive term. Building like it's, it, you're in construction now. If you've ever built anything, it never ends, right? There's always just something something to do. So he's speaking future, he's speaking present tense, but he's also speaking future tense as well. He's saying, build my church, but he's looking beyond his immediate destiny with the cross, but he's looking down the road, you know, for, for, for everyone. This is not just a Jewish Messiah and a Jewish religion that he is building. Can I remind you that this house is for every language, every tribe, every tongue, every skin color, rich or poor, those that have it all together, those whose lives life are dysfunctional. He wants everyone to know through his church of his glory and his grace. So he says, I tell you, you're Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. So there's some things we can draw. The, the sacrifice of Jesus is essential He's not just a historical figure, but his place is written in blood and his, through, through, the, through his sacrifice on the cross. But he says also, in building a church, you're Peter. And on this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. So the church will be built on the commitment and dedication also of people like Peter. All right? Committed, sold out, to the message, consecrated, which I love that word because it's a spiritual term that just talks also about, you know, a spiritual devotion to the Lord. Now, this is starting our mission service and our, our mission services and missions month. And that is our build your church is, is, our, is, is kind of our theme. So I want to have a missions context to this. The church will be built on the commitment and dedication of people like Peter. Jesus did what he did on the cross, and now he commits the building of the church uh, to others. We are focusing this month, you know, on missionaries, people who are called by God. They are prepared. They prepare themselves, and then they go. Then they go. I want you to meet this morning Mitch and Tammy Walner. They are our newest missionaries to Indonesia. Mitch was sitting in a church service and he felt a, a tug on his heart that he was supposed to give his life over to missions and he didn't know what, <clears throat> didn't know what that meant. His wife grew up, Tammy is a, an Assemblies of God missionary from, in Nairobi, Kenya. And finally, the, the you know, the, the dust cleared and they knew that their land that they were to serve uh, was Indonesia. 
the largest Islamic country in the world, more Muslims than the Middle East combined. 230 unreached people groups. But one thing that you don't know maybe about Indonesia is that it is the seventh most trafficked country in the world. It is a sending and receiving destination of human trafficking all across the Far East. And there are less than 50 beds in all of Indonesia that they, that they inherited that, uh, to, to take women out of human trafficking. So their goal is to recruit and train Indonesian pastors, those unreached people groups. They've started a house uh, called New Beginnings that they reach out to those that have been sexually or human, uh, human trafficked. Uh, they're, they're planting churches. Let me tell you, the building of the church You've got to have people with that same commitment kind of as Peter and, and the Walners are one of those. I want to introduce you to someone else. Josh and Aaron McGowan. They are called to Japan. They have a great burden for children and young people. They are presently working with a pastor in uh, Tsukuba uh, International Christian Assembly in Japan. And their focus is children and young people, they've moved over there. They are learning the language. They are raising. They are raising their budget. They're both from Alabama. Anybody any worse fit for Japan than someone from Alabama? <laughs> but I want to tell you, when God calls, He equips. When you follow, God will give you what you need for that. How about Daniel and Rose King? They are headed to the forgotten Caribbean. Both of them felt this tug and this call to mission service, but they had no background in missions. They had no connections, didn't know anyone. But you know when you follow God, the doors will open. And God has called them to the Netherlands Antilles, which is made up of eight countries off the coast of South America. You may not know this, but it is one of the largest red light districts in the Western Hemisphere. There is also a huge refugee issue uh, because of their proximity to Venezuela. And God has sent them to the forgotten Caribbean to plant churches in the most unreached people group, but also they want to, and this is there, they want to reach youth and children through outreaches and sports camps and bring the gospel to the, uh, to the forgotten Caribbean. Listen, listen, the work of Jesus is indip- indispensable, but I'm just telling you that the, the work, like he committed to Peter, it's that kind of commitment where, where he gives uh, this responsibility and this calling over to others as well. I want to tell you about some others, and I refer to them as sensitive area. Sensitive area. These are missionaries that you see on our website, and there's always an asterisk, but you will never know who they are or where they serve. Now, we do in our office because we are interacting with them on email. We know their countries and all of that, but most people will never know, never know their names, never know what they do. They have, to, they have to go a little bit dark in some of these countries that they serve because if it's revealed what they do, they'll be kicked out. But I want to say some of them, some of them are in very dangerous and hostile situations. 
I mean, like when I read some of these emails about them taking their families in certain places, I, you know, I'm blown away. I'm blown away. When you look on our website and you see an asterisk, you've got to know that that's an individual that has great courage that has followed God's call. And just on the missionaries that we support, we support 22 missionaries in sensitive areas, okay? Now, they can't go over there as preachers and pastors, so they go over there. It's called a BAM, a business and mission. So they go over there and they create a business plan. They create for, for-profit businesses or they work with profitable or, or NGOs uh, and, and do God's work in that context. So I want to say to you, if there's a missions kind of call in your heart and you have a degree in education, finance, or business, you never know the missions opportunity that God can open. You cannot get in with a theological degree. You cannot get in with a reverend on your name. So we have people that are, that are voluntarily going to some of the most hostile places in the world. I want to uh, bring Tanner Harwell. Tanner, would you come to the stage? This is my nephew. Would you welcome him this morning? Glad to have Tanner with us. Tanner uh, served as an intern here uh, one summer. And uh, so, Tanner, bring greetings to the people here. Yeah, good morning, Generations Church. It's so good to be up here. I know a lot of familiar faces, but I'm Tanner if I haven't got to meet you. And it is just a joy to be here. Uh, so praise God for this. I got to talk to Pastor Brian uh, yesterday a little bit about the heart of this church and their desire to give and support the global missions. And I just wanted to praise God for that. So let's praise God for Amen. heart. Amen. So Tanner, Tanner uh, spent his summer here. God was shaping some things in his heart. And uh, Tanner wound up following a call to missions and his country that he served in was Afghanistan. Okay, so Tanner, why, what was happening in your heart to go to the world's, one of the world's most dangerous places? Yeah, so it's true, I, I was here um, when God very directly, uh, I mean, he, he gave me an order to go overseas and uh, specifically to follow one of my friends there. So I didn't know what I was about to get into. I, I shared with Pastor Brian about that. And so he's my uncle. So when I was telling my mom this, she was very thrilled with him. She was not happy with me. <laughs> um, she said, I blame you. <laughs> essentially, God was very direct with me, and I had the opportunity to, to obey what he asked me to do or not. And I knew that any life and disobedience to God wasn't going to be a joyful one. So I decided to accept the call. Tanner, so you're in Afghanistan. They don't have a network of churches. They don't, it doesn't function like, uh, you know, like we would understand here. So what, what would you do? What was your ministry there while you were in that country? Yeah, so I got hired to work for an organization that was based in a smaller city in Afghanistan. And so they did uh, quite a few projects, healthcare, but the particular project that I was on was working with government officials to just assist basic computer skills and English. So that was just a need that was in our city particularly. So that w- that's what I was going to assist with. And I know they talked about working with business. There was a potential for me to start doing some accounting with them. So that was another aspect of it. All right, so people go in and they have legitimate jobs, but also you're interacting with people, you're meeting people, you know, networking, that kind of thing. So Tanner, you were in Afghanistan when the American troops pulled out. If you remember that 
on the news, there was kind of this phased pullout of our troops. And uh, so a partial withdrawal had already occurred. You're there. The Taliban is taking over certain regions and it's getting really kind of uh, dangerous there. So tell us about that moment that you got the call that it was, that it was time to go. Yeah. A very difficult moment. We were actually in a city and I was with one of my friends. We were washing wool, which was an interesting experience. Um, but I, I got the call from uh, the leader of my organization. He's like, today's the day. Because we, we had been seeing uh, slowly the Taliban take over cities. And so just prayerfully asking God to know, let us stay here, let us stay here. Um, so you get that call and just a rush of thoughts go in. But uh, we had orders to get out of the city. So um, there was like one last plane leaving from the capital city and we weren't in the capital city. So we had to get there. And so we were able to organize like a very small plane, like an eight passenger plane uh, that wasn't a pressurized. So we got in there, oxygen uh, in the nose and we flew to the capital city and just packed up the little two bags that I had and rolled out. And so there's a lot of emotions, but in those moments, you just gotta do what's in front of you. And uh, yeah, try to be faithful to God in those last interactions with the people that you spent your life, like the last year with. So there's a lot of thoughts going on, but God was so kind to me and allowed me to get out unscathed, um, but a lot of heart kind of remained with yeah. those people. So. Yeah, lots of gunfire going on that he was hearing at that particular time. Yeah. So Tanner, but you get to your next, uh, I guess Dubai, where you guys ultimately wound up, but instead of like, joyful of being, you know, relieved of this burden, there was a sense of sadness in your life. Yeah, absolutely. That's something that's just, it's difficult to fully express, but you leave a place that you start to invest your roots in, spend uh, over a year with the people there. And uh, for me, it was, it was just, yeah, it was a little less than a year actually, but I had teammates who had been there for 10 plus years, 15 years. And so watching their heart break as they really have left their home. Um, and not only have we done that, but I, I created friends and I had the, the passport to get out, but they didn't. And so you're reckoning with God, why did you want to do this? What is the plus side in that? How could this happen? Um, and so it was a very difficult time, but I will say amidst that God did something incredible. And so why I'm trying to understand how you could let a more conservative regime take over this government, the all, most all the missionaries get pulled out. God did something incredible with one of my friends uh, because for 15 years he had heard the gospel uh, but said that he was in a prison. His, his country wouldn't allow him essentially to become a believer. We leave, he calls me and says, I believe, I believe in Jesus. And I was like, what? I, you're like, I'm not understanding correctly. And he says, no, two weeks ago I had a dream and I believe. And so Jesus is alive because there's no other reason that he has faith in Jesus yeah. amidst the most conservative regime. All yeah. the missionaries pulls out is Christ alone. Yeah. So praise God for that. Amen. Amen. Tanner, you know, we don't get to hear those stories, those, the asterisks are all kinds of stories like this that are happening around the world, but we never, we never hear that. And so Tanner, we thank you for being willing to go to a difficult place. There are wonderful people serving in hard places. And sometimes you gotta have people to go, you know what? Against my own safety, against the, the, uh, the witness of my own family, I'm gonna follow God. So I just wanna say thank you. We had Thanksgivings and Christmases where we would FaceTime with Tanner and felt guilty about the Christmas buffet that we were having and he wasn't. But 
just, we want to say thanks to you and to every one of those asterisks there that are up there for serving in difficult places. We love you. Great job this morning. Praise God. So I want to just take a moment. I want to give a little missions 101. Can I do this? Like if you're new, maybe you hear a lot about missions around here or missions efforts, missionaries. Just want to tell you just a little bit about what makes us tick and why we do what we do while we prioritize this, while we prioritize this message. So we are as believers and as this church, we are moved and motivated by the great commission. If you're not familiar with that, I'm going to put it, they're going to put it up on the screen. It says, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them of the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded. And surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So this passage to us is not a verse to perpetually ponder and contemplate. This is a verse about action, movement, and mobility. The second word in this verse is go. Get up, do something, get going so that all the nations can hear about the grace of Jesus, baptize them in the name of the Father, teaching them, you know, uh, uh, to obey all commandments. It's one of our core values that we have here at Generations Church. We are outreach driven. Our purpose on this earth is to see people meet Jesus. We exemplify the love of Christ across the street in the workplace and around the world. It's one of our core values here. So listen, people who are willing to live and minister in other countries are essential to building his church. You have to have them. You got to have people like the McGowans and the Walners and the Kings and Tanner. You've got to have people like that. So how do people, how do missionaries get to the country that they serve? They are sent, prayed for, and supported financially by the local church. How does that happen? How do all these people get to the different places? They are sent, uh, prayed for, and supported financially by the local church. So we've got a map that we've created. It's a digital map, and I don't know how well that you can see. It's pretty, pretty good. It's on our website. Every one of those blue dots is a place that we have a missionary. Some of them, we have multiple missionaries in those locations. How do they get there? How do they get there? Right now, we are supporting 107 missionaries on a monthly basis, all right? How do they get there? Churches like us, other churches that partner, and we send these people out. Now, you can go to our website, and it's on the missions page. You can look at the blue dot and it will show you the, the families and where, where they're serving specifically. So, you know, how do they get there? They're sent by the local church. How do we do that? We call it here, we call it a faith promise. We call it a faith promise. I ask everyone that goes here on a monthly basis, would you give something to missions? Give something to missions. A faith promise is a monthly financial promise to help Generations Church fund its part of the Great Commission. I unapologetically ask everyone to give something to missions. It doesn't stay here. It doesn't, it doesn't go to mortgage, lights, 
staff. We don't skim anything off the top. You know, we, we don't do that. That's all. 100%. So how do those missionaries get there? It's when people like you, people like you give to missions. He said to Peter, I tell you, you're Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. So we've got to have missionaries. They're essential. You've got to have people that go and live in the country. But also, the church will be built on the commitment and dedication of people like you. God uses people and churches to send and support missionaries. They are also essential to building his church. Look at Romans 10. It kind of tears out. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one in whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? How can anyone preach unless they are sent? You want to know what your name is in the Bible? It's the book of Romans right there. And then those, once they hear the gospel, they respond. How beautiful are the feet of those that bring good News. So the church is built on the commitment and dedication of you and I. All right? Now listen, the mission's message is contagious. Because once you hear it, it gets in your heart and you'll start acting funny toward missions. You'll start doing strange things. You'll get you a passport. You'll eat strange foods. You'll, you'll go to places that you've never heard of. You'll write checks that you don't even, you know, you, you, what am I doing? Why, why, am I, why, why am I writing this check? Or your spouse will write a check bigger than what you wanted to write the check for. It's just, it's contagious. You hear about it. It just gets in your heart. It changes the way that you think. We were in Columbia um, in May, and I had to fly back a day early my daughter, Kendra, was graduating high school, so I had to come back a day early. So I left Bogota around lunch and took it was a long flight, and I had a layover in Miami and a late flight to Tallahassee. <clears throat> so it was probably 9, 9.30 when I'm, you know, when I'm in Miami. And uh, so I was hungry, so I went to a restaurant, and the lady said, how many? I said, got one. She said, you'll have to eat up at the bar. I said, I, I don't care. I'm, I'm, I'm hungry. Did, didn't, bother, didn't bother me. So I'm, I'm there at the bar. Can I tell you, I'm not like a bar guy. Like, I'm just, you know, what, what, what's going on here? And uh, I ordered food and... Uh, you know, lights are blinking and Gloria Estefan is singing and, you know, like, I'm just like, what, what's going on here? I look around, I'm the only one with food, all right? I'm the only one. And it's limoncello shot night, okay? Thank God I ordered a dark Pepsi. That's all I'm, that's all I'm saying. So I'm just like, what, what's going on here? You know, the bartender's throwing bottles up, catching it behind his back. And I'm just, there's a man and a woman next to me. They are hooking up. I'm just like, I cannot believe what I'm hearing. You know, I'm like, really? You're on separate flights to different cities. What's the end game here? So I'm just like, you know, there's sometimes that you that you pray like, Lord, should I shine my light or just get my light out of here? So, uh, <laughs> so I, 
I had chosen to get my light out of here. You know, like, please, God, I'm looking around. I hope nobody sees me here. It's the full bar scene. So I'm just trying to eat. And, you know, and, uh, and the guy next to me, he said, are you Dutch? I said, excuse me? He said, are you from the Netherlands? I said, no. He said, well, you're dipping your French fries in mayonnaise, so I just wondered if you're from the Netherlands. Now, first of all, let me pause this story and do not judge me, okay? Do not judge me. If you've never dipped a fry in mayo, you do not know what you're missing, all right? Meet me after church. We'll go get some fries and mayo. So I'm like, no. I said, I've been to Belgium a couple of times, and I just kind of picked up this bad habit here. He said, well, okay, I was just curious. He said, so what do you do? I said, well, I'm a pastor of a church in Tallahassee, and we have, I've had a team up in, um, in Columbia. <clears throat> we raise money for churches. When we do construction, we raise the cash, buy the materials, then we take the team, and we go do the construction over there. He said, wow. He said, so like, is your team like a full time. I'm like, no, 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 no. They take their vacation time. They pay their own way. And, and, uh, so we do this. So we've done it, you know, we've done it all over the world. And I uh, said, so we were up in like the Amazon in a, you know, in a, a deep part of the Amazonian jungle. And we were, we were building. And he said, he said, I, I don't know what to say. He said, I don't know that I've ever heard anything like that. He said, so I was just telling the different countries that we've been to. And he said, let, let me ask you something. He said, uh, when you do construction, he said, tell me about your building materials. I said, well, it's, we're in very remote locations. They're not the best of building materials. You know, I was trying to describe the block. I said, sometimes we work with terracotta. Sometimes it's, you know, kind of a heavier block. He said, is it locally fabricated? Those, you know, I said, yeah, most of the time they, they, you couldn't bring it in from bigger cities. And he said, well, what, what about... What about like the mortar and the concrete? Now look, if you've been with me on a construction trip, I'm the mortar man right there. Boy, he, he put one in my sweet spot right there. So I'm talking to him, you know, about the mortar and the, the cement and the concentration and the mix. And he just keeps asking me these, these questions. And I, he said, so uh, these buildings that you leave, are they in good shape? I'm like, there's in good shape as you can with these kind of, you know, these kind of materials. They don't use steel like we use steel. They don't grout like we use grout. Sometimes their sand is, has a lot of gravel in it. So, you know, so you just, you just do the best you can. And he said, well, wow. He said, well, let me, let me tell you. He said, I, I own a company in uh, Canada and uh, we have developed a product uh, that, that strengthens concrete and block. Uh, he said, we sell to third world countries and NGOs that do construction in uh, poorer countries. And uh, he said, um, you know, he said, we will, my product will make a building safer, but also it will extend the, you know, the lifespan of, you know, whatever you're building. He said, we sell all over the world. He said, I just want you to know, I'm moved by what you said. I don't know that I've ever heard anything like this. And he said, if you would be open to a corporate sponsorship, he said, here's what I'll do. He said, I will mail, I will send my product wherever you go at my cost. I will send the machinery. If I need to send people, I will do that. He said, because I, 
I've never, he said, I'm Catholic. He said, I've never heard any, I mean, he's getting emotional here. So I've never heard anything like that. And he said, if there's a project that you cannot, you know, use my product, he said, I'll just write a check and send cash. I'm blown away. Can I just remind you I'm at a bar in Miami <laughs> on limoncello shot night? So we, we swapped cards, and I thanked him, and he sent me an email just a couple weeks ago. He said, Reverend Nugent, love speaking to you, love the possibility of partnering in the future. He said, I want to say again, we are willing to provide our services without charge, 100% as a donation. While we are not of the same faith, we would love to assist you in your venture. Please let me know how we might assist you as you help other people. God bless you on your important work. Because <clears throat> the message is contagious. You hear, you hear these things and it, it, gets in your, it gets in your heart and you do unusual things, but it's this compassion that people, that, that God gives people for, for lost, you know, for the lost. Those of you that are our faith promise partners, I want to say thanks to you. Almost every month you write checks, you know, and you may see a dot or you may not even or not even sure where it's going. I just want to say thanks to you for, for doing that and investing in that. I want, for those of you that have gone on our missions trips around the world, I want to say thanks to you. And if you're here this morning and you've done a construction or a ministry trip with Generations Church, would you please stand this morning? Would you please stand? Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We've been doing trips since 2014. Lots of, you know, unusual kind of fun things that happened. We were in Peru. It was our first day in, in Peru. The missionary, Ricky, said, hey, it's time to get your crew outside. We got we to gotta go. So I gathered everybody up and I, we walked outside. I'm looking for our, you know, like the bus or whatever. And this is, this is what we saw. Where's my, there you go. That was our transportation. I told the missionary, I said, I don't care how much it cost, but tomorrow I want another truck. And also, as we were going to and from work, they were picking people up. It was like a cab. People were waving it down, getting on, getting off. That was our transportation for the week. When we were in Hot Springs, Arkansas, it's a place where I'll never forget because I suffered my first missions injury on the mission field. All right. All I remember, blood flowing everywhere. I'm going in and out of consciousness. And then the manager of Texas Roadhouse brings me a couple of band-aids and I, I survived. <laughs> Cut my hand on some glass. But it's a missions injury on the missions field and I'm claiming that. I'm claiming that. Thank you for those that have gone. We have a little video that we want to play and kind of give you an update of some of the places that we visited.
Eight Generations Church and Pastor Brian. You know what, guys? This is church number 133. You guys have been a part of a whole bunch of churches. In fact, you guys came down and built one at Pulticapa. Unfortunately, we've had a hurricane this last week and we can't get in or out, no power down that way, so I can't get you any pictures. But I'm gonna stop by and uh, show you a church that has been built about a year ago in the progress. This one happens to be started two days ago. Two, day, two days ago, we started building this church and uh, we've got the walls and the roof up. Uh, we're gonna dedicate it tomorrow. Guys, thanks for your prayers. Thanks for your continued support. So without you guys, we couldn't be here. I wouldn't want to be here. God bless you all. see there's been a lot of uh, additions made to the church and uh, the church just wants to say thank you uh, as appreciation you guys rock you guys do an amazing job uh, building churches around the world we just want to say thank you for supporting us here in, in Peru and for doing what you do for the kingdom of God Generations Church. We are standing now in the universe room, in the place that is our kids' church area. Some of you maybe can recognize this place because you have been working here. You spend hours of your time, sweat, and finances to make this dream of ours come true. And look at this place now. We are so thankful to you and we love you and we hope to see you here with us. So come back and visit us. Thank you once again. Every child, every adult love coming into this place and you need to come back and see it for yourself. 
God bless you and greetings from Abundant Life. Love from Limerick. Bye-bye. Bye. managed to to finish during COVID-19. It's God who will thank you, not me. Because that work uh, you did, you did for, for God. You did for God. Generation Church. Uh, this is Tracy and Jonathan Borden coming to you live from Columbus, Georgia right now. We want to thank you for all that you've done uh, for us at the Jerusalem School of Bethlehem and for coming out several years ago and visiting us. Uh, I was able to go back. As you know, uh, your, your group that was there, we were there at the same time. We were able to revisit students that were there, still had their armbands on, still talking about the mega sports camp and everything that you guys did for us there. We want to thank you for giving to Speed the Light. We've been able to buy, I talked with Jack yesterday, 15 computers for the school, uh, getting ready to uh, either roll out new projectors or new uh, uh, smart boards. Uh, we're deciding on that this week. And uh, Tracy? Yeah, just thank you guys so much for everything that you're doing to partner with us and to reach unreached people groups and to really help with the school and everything that we do there. We appreciate you guys so very much. Roll Tide. Brian Page uh, with Compact Family Services. Uh, we are here on the Hillcrest campus and we are in the backyard of our cottage for children with developmental disabilities. I'm here with Phil and Barbara Pittman. Uh, they are our house managers for this cottage and we just wanted to say thank you to Generations Church. Uh, last year you sent a mission team out here and while you were here you put together the swing set that's behind us and the playground equipment as well as as you conducted a sports camp. And so we are so thankful for your kindness to us. The, the children here use this uh, site daily. 
And so we just wanted to pass along our appreciation and just say thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Dios los bendiga, gracias por amarnos de manera tangible, por mostrarnos la bondad de Dios, gracias por colaborarnos, como pueden ver ya estamos terminando de construir nuestro auditorio y si el Señor nos lo permite dentro de unas semanas estaremos aquí reuniéndonos para dar gloria y honra al Señor, gracias por servirnos, gracias por amarnos, las personas que estamos aquí en Garagoa, Boyacá, Colombia, estamos muy agradecidos con ese equipo maravilloso que han enviado. Les animamos para que sigan haciendo misiones. Dios los bendiga. Amén. Amén. So I want to say thank you. Everyone that's gone, everyone that's given, everyone that's prayed. But there's a a statement that motivates me uh, even today, it's from Lauren Triplett, our former Assemblies of God World Missions Director. He said, we dare not measure our success against anything but the unfinished task. Okay? We dare not measure our success against anything but the unfinished task. So I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you. But the spiritual need of this world is still great. This is not a time just to pat ourselves on the back, kind of, hey, we've done good, give us a plaque so that we can feel good about ourselves. This is the time that we are thankful where God has placed us. He's given us a position of global impact, and now it is a time to, to look, look to the future, to the unfinished task. So I want to close. A couple, couple months ago, uh, my family... Uh, we went to lunch at Jim and Milt's, God rest their souls, you know, um, and of course my family provided transportation for me at this particular time, so I was included, I was included. Um, so I'm at Jim and Milt's and I've got, you know, with a few others from our family and some of my kids and some other young adults, they were at another table. And uh, so we ate and enjoyed lunch and then, I get the bill, and the bill's $224 at Jim and Milt's. I'm like, what, what, what am I, funding a community feeding program here? I mean, what? So my children, in a moment of generosity, decided that my family would pay for all of their, their table. Their table, okay? So I didn't know, but Josh Bennett had ordered take-home meals for Danny and Glenda as well. <laughs> yeah, just put it on my bill. So I paid the bill, hadn't planned, and um, so just, you know, it's just one of those things, one of those things. So I want to, you know, because like when we go to dinner, when we take an extra weekend sometimes, we just don't always plan it. We just kind of figure it out, you know, I'll figure out a way to pay for it. I'll come up with the money somehow, some way, I'll, I'll figure it out. 
I want to challenge you on your missions giving this year. I want you to do something bold this year, okay? This is my first missions message in about six years, all right? I've let other people kind of pinch hit for me. We've got some great speakers coming next week. But I'm going to ask you to just do something bold. I want you to pray over this thing. I want you to think over this thing because sometimes we get a little tentative when it comes to, you know, uh, missions giving. But when we want to go out to eat, we spend 50, 60 bucks four or five times a month. We don't think anything about it because we'll just figure it out. We'll find a way to pay for it, right? We'll, we'll, we want to go off for a weekend. We'll find some money here and there. So I just want to say, with that same attitude, I want you to do something bold when it comes to missions. We're, we're not just here to pat ourselves on the back. We are here about the unfinished task of making sure that everyone that has not heard the message of the gospel has the opportunity to hear the sweet name of Jesus and to hear the gospel message. Worship team, you can come. So I'm just asking you. In a couple weeks, we're going to do Sin Sunday. You got faith promise cards in front of you. Not going to do it today. I want you to pray over it. I want you to think about it. I'm telling, I pray that you will not be able to sleep one night because of God's conviction. I'm just saying to you, I want you to do something bold. I want you to do something that, that takes a little faith because you know what? In the moment, You'll figure out a way to pay for it. We always do, right? We'll come up with it. So don't let that figure shock you because I believe God will bless you. You know, but at the same time, we just spend a lot of disposable money anyway. We don't even think about it. I'm trying to tap into some of your disposable money just a little bit. I'm hoping you'll do something so bold that there might be a Friday night that you go, man, it's a popcorn and movie night at home. We don't have anything left. All right? So I just, I want to do something substantial. I'm thankful for what we're doing. But we don't measure ourselves by our success, but against the unfinished task. Okay? Jesus went to that place, Caesarea Philippi, because there was a message that he wanted to deliver in the most evil, wicked place. He wanted them to know, we're not running from anyone. We're not afraid of anyone. You're Peter upon this rock. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Anytime you do something substantial for the Lord, there's always spiritual opposition. But he said, you know what? I'm going to give you authority. I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in uh, on earth. Whatever you loose will be loose on earth. I'm going to give you that authority. I'm going to give you the power that you need to accomplish the work on this world and, and build my church. Build my church. Build my church. If you're here today, if you're here today, you know, you hear what what, what does this have to do with me? All right? I, I think that's a good question. It's a good question. You know, there are many that have never heard the gospel. That's what we're talking about primarily. But there are many that are here as well that, you know, maybe your life is in a mess. Maybe you, like, what is, why do we go to all this trouble? 
people living in hostile environments and, and moving around the world, all this money. Why do we go, you know, why do we, why do we do all this? Because I want to remind you that wherever people are at, and however remote a location or, or a place like Tallahassee, God loves them, God cares about them, and the gospel message is for everyone. Even here. Even here. You may go, hey, my life's all messed up. My, you know, Well, this message, message is for you. It's for you. Look at this passage. It says, He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and he forgave our sins. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? His kindness and grace. He was so rich, generous, that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. So you may feel like you have no value, no purpose. Your life's all off the rails. What's going on with my life? I want you to know he loves you. He purchased you with the blood of his son. And man, he's got a plan for you. He just doesn't leave you where you're at and give you a little sympathy. He'll change your heart. He says he forgives your sins. He's ready to move you on to the next chapter. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Thank you, Lord. Through the purchase, through our purchase, through your son, Lord, you took our sin and you gave us righteousness, Lord. You took our shame and you adopted us into the family. You took our failure and you gave us purpose. And Lord, we thank, we're thankful for that. We're thankful for the gospel message that we have a part around the world. But God, that gospel message comes to Generations Church, those that watch online, those that are in this sanctuary this morning. And Lord, I pray, I pray over them today. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe there's someone here today and you just say, Pastor, I'm not where I should be in my walk with you. I'm just maybe kind of drifted, kind of cold, kind of stale in, in where I should be. Pastor, today I want to maybe take a step toward the Lord. I'm not where I should be. And I, I want to give the Lord a new opportunity, a fresh opportunity in my life to work. If that's you, just where you're at, just up and down really quick. Would you just raise your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me this morning? I just need God's touch and God's grace. I see you. I see you this morning. I see you this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I want you to stand. I want you to stand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We're going to open these altars this morning. And if you need prayer for anything, if you need a healing, you need a miracle in your life, you need prayer spiritually, if you need a touch from God, if you need a direction from God, we don't want to close this place. This is a house of miracles. This is a house of grace, house of transformation. We want to see God. We want to see God do that this morning. So we're going to open. We're just, they're going to, the worship team's going to sing. Man, if you want to respond in any way, people will meet you down here at the front. We'll be glad to pray with you. But we want to see God do something powerful in your life today. Worship team, lead us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to the Generations Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org 
or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.